Dr. Faust and Lao Tzu. When Dr. Faust insulted the Tao, the devil emerged. A German necromancer flourished for a little while during the Protestant Reformation. We only know a little about him. Heck, we aren't even sure when he died. It was like 1538, 1540. No one seems to know for sure. He was supposedly a boastful man, sometimes gained influence in powerful ecclesiastical and worldly courts. But after his death, rumors about his supernatural gifts and evil living circulated. The rumors grew into legend. Legend grew into shrouded history in Johann Spies' The History of Dr. Faustus, the notorious magician and master of the black art. Shrouded history then grew into drama in the work of the greatest playwright before Shakespeare, Christopher Marlowe, and his tragical history of Dr. Faustus. Many historical, literary, artistic, and musical accounts of the Faust legend followed Marlowe's account. And then a young Johann Goethe, or as I pronounce it, Goethe, G-O-E-T-H-E, saw a Faust puppet show, a little puppet show featuring Dr. Faust and the devil. And it started Goethe's lifelong interest in the Faust legend. This interest climaxed in 1808 with the publication of Faust, the first part of the, of the tragedy, a work that Goethe started in 1770 and was still working on when he died in 1832. It was like his lifelong obsession or something he was interested in his entire life. All right, so let's summarize. Goethe's Faust. <clears throat> Excuse me. It tells the story of an old scholar who yearns to comprehend all. The play begins with him in his study, where he is in despair because his intellectual efforts haven't been able to penetrate the secrets of the universe. He turns to the occult. Mephistopheles, a demon, though not necessarily Satan himself, Goethe keeps it vague. Anyway, Mephistopheles appears and brings those occult powers. Faust suggests a two-part bet or exchange. He agrees to give his soul to Mephistopheles in exchange for those occult powers. But if he uses those occult powers solely to pursue knowledge and not to become a reprobate, he doesn't lose his soul. So he's not going to use it to, you know get a bunch of girls and bang them and get really rich and just, you know, loose living. Instead, he's going to use those occult powers to comprehend all. Mephistopheles says, agreed, you got a bet. And the powers are given. And Faust starts to get tempted. He seduces a girl, Gretchen, and impregnates her. She gives birth, goes mad, drowns her baby, and is then executed for the crime. Faust is shaken. His lust for Gretchen had transformed into love which opens his pedantic, scholarly heart to tenderness and compassion. Faust arguably loses the bet because he uses the powers for carnal purposes and not his studies like he's supposed to or like he said he would. But in this ordeal, Faust discovers compassion for others. Love always wins. Mephistopheles loses. Angels bear Faust to heaven. Mephistopheles watches and fantasizes about sodomizing the boyish-looking angels. <laughs> That's a great story. It set the standard for modern literary representations of the devil. So whenever, like in film, if you're watching a movie and you see a, 
the devil that's urbane or witty or otherwise exemplifies appealing characteristics. It's Guta's Mephistopheles. Uh, think of like, um, oh, it's that film with uh, Don Blank, The Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves. They're the, the devil's ur urbane and you know, kind of sophisticated and lawyer. Anyway, what really interests me in Guta's version is Faust's last attempt to comprehend all before Mephistopheles appears. Faust is sitting in the study and learning, quote, to reach Revelation's brink, unquote. He says to himself that it, quote, burns in the New Testament, unquote. He decides to rewrite it when he starts with the Gospel of John. He writes, in the beginning was the thought. That didn't quite get it. So then he writes, in the beginning was the power. And that wasn't quite right either. And then he writes, in the beginning was the deed. At that, a black dog that had followed him into his study starts to yelp and then starts to shift shapes within a mist. As the mist subsides, a wandering scholar emerges. It's Mephistopheles. Now, I think it makes sense that Faust's last attempt to master reality would conclude with him writing, quote, in the beginning was the deed, unquote. Such a statement inverts the real or the ontological order of things. Now, I think you all know this, but the Gospel of John starts with the words, quote, in the beginning was the word, capital W. Word doesn't mean language here. Rather, it refers to the greatest ontological existential truth, or what I've been referring to in these podcast, podcast episodes as the left side of the reality spectrum. So again, on the far left side, you have act of existence slash Tao. And then you go on the other side of the door, you have essence slash accident, along with being slash substance. Now, St. John's quote-unquote word in other words, it refers to the Tao, which is why the famous Catholic convert John Wu, a Chinese man, translated the Gospel of John and wrote, quote, In the beginning was the Tao, and the Tao was with God, and the Tao was God. Faust's proposed rewriting was blasphemous at the deepest level. It denied the Tao. It said, the left side of the reality spectrum isn't prior to the right sides. In fact, the left side doesn't even exist. All is essence, accident, being, and substance. Things we can define, things we can touch, things we can reach with logic and reason, things we can classify and control, things we can use, things we can act upon. Things that work and allow us to carry out deeds like earthly improvements and earning money. Faust's rewriting was, in other words, deeply modern. It embraced and uttered the heart and soul of modernity. There is no Tao. And then came the devil. I am just going to give a real brief history. Like 150 years after Faust's first part of the story appeared in 1808. See, things are looking pretty good for Western civilization. Um, indeed, things went well for the next hundred years. Uh, there were hiccups, like the Napoleonic Wars that were raging at the time Guta wrote the uh, first part. And then they had the U.S. Civil War, which featured history's first quote-unquote total war, which was no holds barred, all traditional norms of combat be damned. 
But by 1900, modernity was proceeding well, at least from the vantage point of the birthplace of modernity, Western Europe, you know, with its history, with its tradition and British empiricism and the continental idealism, which were like the leading philosophies for the past couple hundred years. Western Europe was killing it. <laughs> Advances under the scientific revolution and industrial revolution allowed the Spanish, Portuguese, British, French, Dutch, and Germans to conquer the globe. Life expectancies were rising. Wealth was growing. At the same time, the continental philosophical tradition was leading to a fierce subjectivism that freed people from the constraints of dogma, giving them a new type of liberty, whether in the form of a looser personal morality or merely liberty to trust the dictates of their own mind. Everything was fun. <laughs> Everything was great. You had the gay 90s, referring to the 1890s. Uh, the first 15 years of the 20th century were remembered as the beautiful epoch or the banquet years. Optimism was surging. And then came the Great War, or what we subsequently knew as World War I. It was brutal, it was deadly, and it was a shock. I mean, everything was looking so great, and then things got so freaking bad. It was such a terrible war. It led to Hemingway and the Lost Generation in the 1920s, Elliot's Wasteland, the Weimar Germany, and the Bolsheviks. And then came Hitler's Stalin and Mao, all men of the deed. <laughs> 